Now we shall be reading part 20 of lesson 2 Constitution of India of paper 1 Jurisprudence Interpretation and General Laws 2.58 Delegated Legislation The increasing complexity of modern administration and the need for flexibility capable of rapid readjustment to meet changing circumstances which cannot always be foreseen in implementing our socio-economic policies pursuant to the establishment of a welfare state as contemplated by our constitution have made it necessary for the legislatures to delegate its powers further the parliamentary procedure and discussions in getting through a legislative measure in the legislatures is usually time consuming the three relevant justifications for delegated legislation are 1 the limits of the time of the legislature 2 the limits of the amplitude of the legislature not merely its lack of competence but also its sheer inability to act in many situations where direction is wanted and 3 the need of some weapon for coping with situations created by emergency the delegation of the legislative assembly is what yugas chief justice called flexibility and practicability karan versus wallis 83 l ed 441 2.59 Classification of Delegated Legislation The American rights classify delegates legislation as contingent and subordinate further legislation is either supreme or subordinate the supreme law or legislation is that which proceeds from supreme or sovereign power in the state and is therefore incapable of being repealed annulled or controlled by any other legislative authority Subordinate legislation is that which proceeds from any authority other than the sovereign power and is therefore dependent for its continued existence and validity on some sovereign or supreme authority. 2.60 Classification of subordinate legislation. It is classified into five classes as shown here. 1. Executive legislation. The tendency of modern legislation has been in the direction of placing in the body of an act only few general rules or statements and relegating details to statutory rules this system empowers the executive to make rules and orders which do not require express confirmation by the legislature thus the rules framed by the government under the various municipal acts fall under this category 2 judicial legislation under various statutes The high courts are authorized to frame rules for regulating the procedure to be followed in courts. Such rules have been framed by the high courts under the Guardians of Wards Act, Insolvency Act, Succession Act and Companies Act etc. 3. Municipal legislation. Municipal authorities are entrusted with limited and subordinate powers of establishing special laws applicable to the whole or any part of the area. under their administration known as bylaws 4 autonomous legislation under this head fall the regulations which autonomous bodies such as universities make in respect of matters which concern themselves 5 colonial legislation the laws made by colonies under the control of some other nation which are subject to supreme legislation of the country under whose control they are principles applicable a body to which powers of subordinate legislation are delegates must directly act within the powers which are conferred on it and it cannot act beyond its powers 
except to the extent justified by the doctrine of implied powers. The doctrine of implied powers means where the legislator has conferred any power, it must be deemed to have also granted any other power without which that power cannot be effectively exercised. Subordinate legislation cannot take effect unless published. Therefore, there must be promulgation and publication in such cases. Although there is no rule as to any particular kind of publication. Conditional legislation is defined as a statute that provides controls but specifies that they are to come into effect only when a given administrative authority finds the existence of conditions defined in the statute. In other words, in subordinate legislation, the delegate completes the legislation by supplying details within the limits prescribed by the statute and in the case of conditional legislation, the power of legislation is exercised by the legislator conditionally, leaving to the discretion of an external authority the time and manner of carrying its legislation into effect. Hamdard Dawakhana versus Union of India, AIR 1960, SC 554 While delegating the powers to an outside authority, the legislator must act within the ambit of the powers defined by the Constitution and subject to the limitations prescribed thereby. If an act is contrary to the provisions of the Constitution, it is void. Our Constitution embodies a doctrine of judicial review of legislation as to its conformity with the Constitution. In England, however, the position is different. Parliament in England may delegate to any extent and even all its powers of lawmaking to an outside authority. In USA, the Constitution embodies the doctrine of separation of powers, which prohibits the executive being given lawmaking powers. On the question whether there is any limit beyond which delegation may not go in India, it was held in reference Delhi Laws Act 1912 AIR 1951 SC 332 that there is a limit that essential powers of legislation or essential legislative functions cannot be delegated. However, there is no specific provision in the Constitution prohibiting the delegation. On the question whether such doctrine is recognized in our Constitution, a number of principles in various judicial decisions have been laid down, which are A. The primary duty of lawmaking has to be discharged by the legislature itself. The legislature cannot delegate its primary or essential legislative function to an outside authority in any case. B. The essential legislative function consists in laying down the policy of the law and making it a binding rule of conduct. The legislature, in other words, must itself lay down the legislative policy and principles and must afford sufficient guidance to the rule-making authority for carrying out the declared policy. C. If the legislature has performed its essential function of laying down the policy of the law and providing guidance for carrying out the policy, there is no constitutional bar against delegation of subsidiary or ancillary powers in that behalf to an outside authority. D. It follows from the above that an act delegating law-making powers to a person or body shall be invalid. If it lays down no principles, and provides no standard for the guidance of the rule-making body.
E. In applying this test, the court could take into account the statement in the preamble to the Act and if said statements afford a satisfactory basis for holding that the legislative policy or principle has been enunciated with sufficient accuracy and clarity, the preamble itself would satisfy the requirements of the relevant tests. F. In every case, it would be necessary to consider the relevant provisions of the Act in relation to the delegation made and the question as to whether the delegation made is intra vires or not will have to be decided by the application of the relevant tests. g. Delegated legislation may take different forms, namely, conditional legislation, supplementary legislation, subordinate legislation, etc. But each form is subject to the one and same rule that delegation made without indicating intelligible limits of authority is constitutionally incompetent. 2.61. Separation of Powers It is generally accepted that there are three main categories of governmental functions. 1. The Legislative 2. The Executive and 3. The Judicial At the same time, there are three main organs of the government in state, that is, Legislature, Executive and Judiciary. According to the theory of separation of powers, these three powers and functions of the government must, in a free democracy, always be kept separate and exercised by separate organs of the government. Thus, the legislature cannot exercise executive or judicial power. The executive cannot exercise legislative or judicial power of the government. Article 50 of the Constitution of India, dealing with the separation of judiciary from executive, it provides that the state shall take steps to separate the judiciary from the executive in the public services of the state. Montesquieu said that if the executive and the legislature are the same person or body of persons, there would be a danger of the legislature enacting oppressive laws which the executive will administer to attain its own ends, for laws to be enforced by the same body that enacts them result in arbitrary rule and makes the judge a legislator rather than an interpreter of law. If one person or body of persons could exercise both the executive and judicial powers in the same matter, there would be arbitrary powers, which would amount to complete tyranny, if the legislative power would be added to the power of that person. The value of the doctrine lies in the fact that it seeks to preserve human liberty by avoiding the concentration of powers in one person or body of persons. The different organs of government should thus be prevented from encroaching on the province of the other organ. In India, the executive is part of the legislature. The president is the head of the executive and acts on the advice of the council of ministers. The constitution of India does not recognize the doctrine of separation of power in its absolute rigidity but the functions of the three organs of the government have been sufficiently differentiated. Ram Jawaya vs. State of Punjab, AIR, 1955, SC 549 None of the three of organs of the government can take over the functions assigned to the other organs. Keshanand Bharti vs. State of Kerala, AIR, 1973, SC 
1461 Asif Hamid was a state of Jammu and Kashmir 1989 AIR SC 1899 In state of Bihar versus Bihar Distillery Limited AIR 1997 SC 1511 The Supreme Court has held that the judiciary must recognize the fundamental nature and importance of the legislature process and must accord due regard and deference to it the legislative and executive are also expected to show due regard and deference to the judiciary the constitution of india recognizes and gives effect to the concept of equality between the three organs of the government the concept of checks and balance is inherent in the scheme with this we end part 20 of the audio lesson 2 constitution of india please do listen to the next part